The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. What is up, everybody? How's it going? I'm not going to lie. When Jeff asked me to teach this morning, I was like, oh, I'm so honored. And then he came up here for announcements. I was like, guys, this is the least attended Sunday. And it all made sense. It took towards us. Yeah. It all made sense. Um, Hey, we're going to be reading our Bibles a lot today. If you didn't bring one, that is totally okay. We would love to give you one. So if you want to throw your hand up in the air, Aaron's back there with a little Bible that we'd love to gift to you guys. Um, If you do have a Bible, why don't you open it to the book of Leviticus chapter 16, please. Leviticus chapter 16, While you are turning pages there, I just want to introduce myself if you don't know who I am. uh, It's probably best for you, but I will now. My name is Mitch. I am the youth pastor here at Heritage, so I spend my Sunday mornings uh, with our junior hires, our 6th through 8th graders, which is why they're staying in here today, uh, and then spend my Wednesday nights with the high school students here at Heritage as well. So if you're a parent of one of those kids, thank you for letting me hang out with them. Just love them to death. And uh, even right now, I'm not going to lie, I love being here, but half of me really just misses my kids already, which is a miracle by the grace of God, by the way, because this service, I will not have to kick anybody out of the class, which I typically have to do once or twice every Sunday. So I'm excited. Uh, Leviticus chapter 16. Today, we are going to be talking about the Day of Atonement, otherwise known as Yom Kippur. It's been fun researching this day, uh, just figuring out what the scriptures say about it, which is a lot, figuring out why, uh, why it was established, and then also uh, a little bit of what, what Jews believe nowadays about the Day of Atonement and how they celebrate it, how they spend this day. So I want to kind of touch on all of those things. But we are going to start in verse 1 of chapter 16. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. Okay, let me pause right there, because that's cool. Okay, I'm I'm a youth pastor, okay? (laughs) So I read this first verse and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I have to figure out what it is that happened to these two sons of Aaron because apparently everything that we're about to read happens right after that. So I'm guessing that it is pretty important. We're going to go to that story, but let me read a little bit more. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil in the tabernacle before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat hmm interesting way to start a Sunday morning we've already mentioned death twice in like three ver- no two verses so I want to go back a little bit and I want to walk through Leviticus chapter 10 the first little tad bit because apparently it's important and we're going to see this theme of ultimately not dying as the goal and I want to kind of walk through this because I think it's going to help us as we decipher what all this means later on Aaron's two boys 
named Nadab and Abihu. They were priests, sons of Aaron, of course, Levites, Levitical priesthood, and they made a big mistake. It says in verse 1 of chapter 10, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So, if you know this story, you know it's about to get hot. No, no pun intended. I don't make puns. Sorry, that was a joke. Okay, so basically... What happened is this, Nadab and Abihu, their priests, God has prescribed a certain way for these priests to go about their business in the tabernacle, just as he's prescribed a way for them to worship him. And Nadab and Abihu knew these commandments of God, but this day they decided to kind of throw caution in the wind and go about this thing flippantly. And so they, unauthorized by the Lord, brought some fire and they brought incense, but in the wrong way. And ultimately, God brought down fire, verse 2, out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. So if you remember where we're at in the story in Leviticus, right, everything in Genesis has happened and we get the end of it with Joseph and Joseph is like second command over Egypt and his brothers come and get food from him and then his whole family moves over and so the Israelites are living in Egypt and they're just multiplying and multiplying and multiplying over tons and tons of time and then a new pharaoh comes and sees all these Egyptians and he's like man this is a problem there's so many of them if they revolt we're in some serious trouble so God gets Moses to lead the people out of Egypt through some miraculous plagues and such the Red Sea crossing and Israel goes out into the wilderness and now Moses is in command of this stubborn rebellious people and God starts giving them laws and commandments say hey this is how we're going to have a relationship and then he gave instructions for the Levites and that's exactly what Nadab and Abihu didn't really pay attention to when they decided to offer this strange fire so God right here sets quite the precedent Okay, not taking the commandments of God seriously, being in contempt of the glory of God, Nadab and Abihu are made an example. Fire comes out and destroys them, but this is what it did do. It set everybody on edge, like it made everybody straighten up. Rightfully so. If these two priests die, obviously if you're Israel, you're looking at this, you're like, wow, these are two holy dudes. Like, this is crazy. If God did this, what are we doing? This is so crazy. And, and Moses starts telling Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, some crazy instructions that let us know and, and kind of a, give us a glimpse into what he was thinking. He says this, don't let the hair of your heads hang loose. I don't, I don't have that issue, praise the Lord. Okay, don't let the hair of your heads hang loose and do not tear your clothes in mourning lest you die and wrath come upon all the congregation. Verse 7, don't go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting lest you die for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And finally, the Lord spoke to Aaron in verse 8 and 9 saying, drink no wine or strong drink, you and your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. And I'm reading this, I'm going, wow, there's a lot of like, you could die if this happens. First it's Aaron at the tent, like don't come into the Holy of Holies except by this way, which is what we're going to read in Leviticus 16, lest you die, because I'm going to come down and descend in the cloud over the mercy seat. 
And then you have all this stuff in Leviticus chapter 10, but I think this next, this next verse kind of unlocks this for us and gives us a, a glimpse into why the Day of Atonement is necessary. It says this, God says that you are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you're to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them. God says there's going to be a difference between the holy and the common, the unclean and the clean. God also says this in verse 3, after his sons, Aaron's sons die, he says, Among those who are near me I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. Now, I read this, and the first thing that comes to my mind is that God is exceedingly holy and powerful and strong. Very clear and evident. And God says there's going to be a difference between the holy and the common. And here's the difference. Here's our big human dilemma, okay? Here's the holy side, and it's only God. And here's the common side, and it's just us. Okay, nobody else is over here. There's a huge gap between people and God because of sin that we inherited from our father Adam, as Sam alluded to. And something needs to be done about that. So we go to Leviticus 16 again, and God is going to institute this day of atonement. Now, atonement... Atonement is a word that we don't use very often, but it's a, it's a covering, a paying for, to make propitiation for something, which is ultimately to offer an offering or a sacrifice to appease or satisfy an angry or offended party. So here's holy God and not holy people, that's us, and God is loving and he wants to bring reconciliation. He doesn't want separation, so here he begins telling Aaron how it is that the people of Israel are going to be atoned for. How their sin is going to be paid for. So I'm going to walk through this with you guys and we will hopefully learn something cool. It says this, verse 3, Leviticus 16. But in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarments on his body and he's going to tie the linen sash around his waist and, and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. So first of all, here are the instructions for Aaron. And you know he's paying attention. Why? Because verse 1 tells us that his boys just died in the service of the tabernacle. Okay? He's like, oh, okay. I got to pay attention. He's like writing this down. Okay? Wear these specific linen garments, Aaron. Check. I want you to be clean. I want you to wash yourself check. I want you to bring a bull, two goats, and a ram. And it says this, that Aaron, to further 
This point of Aaron needed to be pure after the washing and the specific garments. He says this, Aaron, you're going to offer the bull as a sin offering for yourself and make atonement for yourself in your house. So hey, before we deal with the sin of Israel, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to take a bowl in for yourself and that bowl is going to make atonement for you and your family. Then he shall take the two goats, verse 7, Set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the lot of Azazel to be the scapegoat. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel should be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it that it may be sent away into the wilderness of Azazel. So here's the process, guys. We read in a little bit that this is going to happen but one time a year. This is a huge deal. It says that Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself to make atonement for him and his house. He's going to kill the bull as a sin offering. He's going to take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense in the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony so that he may not die. Okay, first things first. You need to be clean. Second thing, you need to bring blood for yourself. Hebrews tells us plainly, he says this, look, almost everything in the Old Testament, almost everything in the law is purified with blood. There can be no forgiveness of sins without blood. It's the life. The life is in the blood. Therefore, something must pay. The animal comes, dies for Aaron in his place as a substitute. He brings that blood, and not only that, but he also alters incense or he offers incense at the altar and there's this cloud and it's almost this covering protecting Aaron as well. Verse 14, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and he starts sprinkling. Sprinkles, his, sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. Sprinkles the blood on the altar. And it says this, thus he's going to make atonement for the holy place because the uncleannesses of the people of Israel because their transgressions and all their sins. So he sprinkles the blood of the bull and he sprinkles the blood of the first goat. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit more. It says this in 18, then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord, make atonement for it. Take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat. Put it on the horns of the altar. Verse 20, when he's made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting in the altar, he's going to present the live goat. This is unique to the day of atonement. Sacrifices happened all the time, but this live goat is going to show us something really cool. It says this, after the first goat has died for the atonement of the people, Aaron's actually going to lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgression, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area 
and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Last couple verses before we move on, it says this, uh, that this is going to happen on the seventh month, on the tenth day, and you shall afflict yourself so they would fast. And it says in verse 30, for on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. And lastly, verse 34, this shall be a statute forever for you that atonement be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. You guys, you guys get in the picture? Okay. If you read about Yom Kippur, people say it's like the Easter of Judaism. Okay. Like even now, you know what I'm talking about? Easter, Christmas Eve service, like people that don't come to church all year show up in masses for these two services. That's this day for the Jews, this is a huge deal once a year. So what do we as Christians take from this? Uh, it's, it's pretty simple. This chapter is amazing. See, all the way back at the very beginning when God made Adam and Eve and they ate the fruit, rebelled against God, didn't want him to be king over them, thought they could figure it out on their own, were deceived by Satan God ultimately says, and Jeff mentioned this last week, I believe, but he says, hey, listen, Satan, you're going to bruise the heel of my son, but he's going to bruise your head, okay? It's the first preaching of the gospel in all the Bible, and, and God ultimately is saying this, look, I'm going to crush you and sin and death. I'm going to come on a rescue mission for my people. So all throughout Scripture, what we have in Leviticus 16 is one of these, is is pictures, right? Shadows of things that are to come. So yes, they actually did this and people still do this. But when you read this passage and then you go to the New Testament and you start to read passages in Hebrews, you find that all of this is pointing to something that was to come in the future that was going to be permanent. That was actually going to make atonement for the sins of the people for all time. And the pictures are awesome. We're going to go through them right now. First of all, in Leviticus 16, it was the high priest that enters into the Holy of Holies. But once a year, nobody else could go in to make atonement for the people. He was standing between God and the people. He was representing the people before the Lord. And the Bible tells us all over the place that Jesus is actually our perfect high priest. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14 say this, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, he entered once for all into the holy places not the tent made with hands, but the heavenly places, and not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. Guys, where we see Aaron being the high priest, it points us to the perfect high priest, Jesus Christ. We don't only stop there. It's not just that Jesus was the high priest in this picture, but also when you look at the Day of Atonement, you see Jesus as the spotless lamb that was slain for the atonement of the people. 
It says this, Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true forms of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would not they have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. What is he saying? He says, listen, all these sacrifices in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, that wasn't the end all. That wasn't what was supposed to be forever. Because think about it, if the blood of the goats and bulls and whatever atoned for the sin of Israel for real then you wouldn't have to offer it again. It wouldn't be necessary every single year, but instead it was pointing forward to a time when Jesus would give his life as the spotless lamb, but not every year, not suffering perpetually, but once for all. In the Bible, this is like the coolest verse in Hebrews. It says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That verse alone tells us there's gotta be something else. It's Jesus to drive home this point, uh, we move on to 11, 11 through 14 of Hebrews 10. And it says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the sacrifices which can never take away sins. But, here's the good news, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, the spotless lamb, the atonement, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified. That's true atonement. He has made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified. We're going to come back to that, but the picture doesn't stop there. As you guys know, Aaron again lays his hands on the head of that second goat, confesses the sin of the people onto that one, and guess what? That thing is carried off into the wilderness. Tradition says like some 12 miles away till the goat cannot be seen anymore. And by that, the people symbolically would know that my sin has been paid for and it's all carried away, never to be seen again. Now, I'll say this again, that was symbolic of a truth that we can rejoice in right now. And that's seen in in rad verses like Psalm 103, 12 that says this, our sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. Or Micah 7, 19 that says that our sin has been cast into the depths of the sea. In other words, I want you guys to know, first of all, this morning, that you guys in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Him, you're absolutely perfect in the eyes of God. None of us feel perfect, right, at all. And this is the end of the year, which is why we're talking about this, because this is like part of the Jewish New Year celebration, which is in September. But it's easy to reflect on the previous year and see nothing but failures. If you're anything like me, I sit there every New Year's and I go, man, all right, it's January 1st. 
do I know Jesus better now than I did 365 days ago? Am I closer to the Lord now or further away? And I'm telling you, every year, my answer for the past like eight, ten years, in my mind, I'm like, dude, I don't know if I'm any closer to the Lord. I don't know if I've grown at all. If you're anything like me, it's easy to reflect on the previous year and be filled with guilt and shame and a feeling like you just don't measure up. That is why we need to be reminded of this, that because of Christ's perfect atoning work, our sin is completely dealt with. It's gone just like the lamb or the goat that got sent out into the wilderness. Our debt has completely been paid in full. I remember when I was 18 or 19 years old, I was sitting in a parking lot. I remember super vividly, I was driving a cool truck because I wasn't married or had kids yet, so I, I don't drive one of those anymore. Okay, so I was driving a cool truck, sitting in front of the container store. My wife's not here, so she's not going to beat me up for that. Okay, sitting in front of the container store, and I remember I was just soaking in guilt and shame because I just didn't measure up. And at that point, I was like, Lord, I've been saved since junior high. Like, why aren't I better than I am? Why do I keep making these stupid mistakes? Little did I know I'd be still saying that. But I'm sitting there, and I just remember as I'm opening the Word, not in an audible voice, but it was one of those times where you just know, like, the Lord has something for me here. And He said, Mitch, stop putting me back on the cross. Huh? It was almost as if I was offending God with my lack of faith because I would totally proclaim the complete forgiveness of somebody else. But when it came to my own life and my own sin and my own walk with God, I would just be so bummed out thinking like, oh, Christ's sacrifice for sure wasn't enough for me. It was almost like I was asking him to go back and suffer again because the first sacrifice wasn't enough. So I would tell you guys the same thing. This year, if you're suffering with guilt and shame, don't, don't put Jesus back on the cross. Rejoice in the fact that the one sacrifice was enough. We don't have to come back every 365 days. Because the atonement that Jesus brought was complete, not lacking in anything. So if you're a believer, that is an encouragement that I want to give to you. If you're not a believer, listen, the new year is a year of new beginnings, no doubt. You're going you're gonna to have New Year's resolutions. You're going to be trying to do stuff uh, like gain weight. Uh, no, not gain weight. That's me. Lose weight. You're going to try to make more money. You're going to try to save more. All of us make resolutions, and most all of us are going to fail. But the fresh start is kind of cool. Like my wife and I are convinced when January 1st comes around, it's the year of health, okay? And we're going to make it like three days, and then we're going to get some Haagen-Dazs, and it's going to be stinking amazing, Okay. But listen, if you're here and you're going, well, I don't know what you're talking about with this atonement. 
Mitch, I, I hear what you're saying with Nadab and Abihu and Aaron and like how holy and perfect is God that right on the spot he can execute just judgment like that. And these people are like, don't do this lest you die. Don't do this lest you die. Hey, you can't come see me because I'm going to descend in the cloud and you can't look at my face without dying. You go, wow, this God is holy. And if we're not, I, I want to be reconciled to God. You guys, that would be what I would beg for you to do if you do not know Christ and the blood of Christ has not been applied to your life through faith every Sunday guys we want to come here and if you are are just wandered in or some friends invited you and you're sitting here going man if that's true if there's a giant gap between me and God because of sin a separation I need to know how to be reconciled and guys this atonement that we're talking about right here is the only way the Bible's super super clear that every single one of us is going to stand before this judgment seat of Christ and I always tell my kids it's like us walking into a courtroom at the end of it all when Jesus returns and and we're going to be standing there before God and they're going to ask me the question Mitch what do you plead guilty or not guilty and the only thing I'm going to be able to say is I plead the blood of Jesus I am so guilty you have no idea but God doesn't look at me and see filth he looks at me and sees God's perfection Jesus' righteousness because that's what was given to me when I believed on him and received the free gift of salvation. Guys, if you have not given your life to Christ, I beg you to be reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus, the perfect atoning sacrifice of Christ. Sam, you can come on up. If you would, we're gonna sing some more worship songs in a bit. But I wanna encourage you guys with just one more thing and this next song that we're going to be able to sing is uh, is perfect but this year guys I, I wanted to make it a purpose not to lay more burdens on you at all because we don't need those I didn't even know what stress was till I had kids and now it's just the craziest thing ever okay but I don't want to lay more burdens on you but this is the last thing that I want to say as we look at this story and what it means for us as believers God said he was going to descend in the cloud over the mercy seat and the high priest could only go once a year. But what do you think that high priest would think if, if somebody had told him, said, hey, listen, when Jesus goes to the cross of Calvary and gives up his life for the sins of the world, takes sin upon himself, takes the wrath of God so that we don't have to, dies as a substitute, when that happens, something's going to happen in the temple as well. And there's this four-inch thick curtain separating the holy place from the holy of holies, and it's literally going to be torn in two. Aaron, you get to go in once a year to meet with God but anybody who believes in Christ whose sin is atoned for they can have fellowship with the Father whenever they want to (laughs) guys you probably know it I know it though I don't embrace it as much as I should guys this open invitation to hang out with the God who breathes out stars and made the universe there's absolutely nothing better than spending time with him it's a great privilege 
of being a Christian. And as you guys probably well know from experience, right, we know this to be true, but then somehow seven days goes by, you're like, dang, I need to spend time with Jesus. I, I haven't done it. I would encourage you guys, understanding Jesus as our high priest, advocating for us before the Father, standing in between us and the Lord, offering himself up, knowing that we're free and forgiven and knowing that we have access to the Father because of this, I would encourage you to spend this upcoming year pursuing the Lord more than anything else. Sounds simple, right? But I told the first service, listen, I am completely convinced that if everything else in your life in 2019 went to crap, but you spent the year on your face humbly before the Lord, worshiping the King in prayer, reading your Bible, connected close, abiding in Him because you have access. If you spent the year embracing that, then it would be a great year for you. Even if everything else went sour. Because He's that good. He's that good. And we can start right now, just as we worship. We always say this lead in worship, but it's easy to, to kind of come here and sing through the words of the songs and not really pay attention to what you're saying because you got other things on your mind. Forget that. Start right now. Like worship is a gift. Like this is us going inside the veil to say, wow, Lord, we can stand here. I don't have to be afraid that you're going to kill me like Aaron. I don't have to walk in like stepping on eggshells. We're like, oh, crud, I wonder if God's going to smite me like he did my son. No, he smite his son so that we can go to the throne of grace with boldness. God, I pray that this story of the cross and atonement and you pouring out your blood for us, I pray that it would rock us to the core. And not just be something that, something that we believe in that kind of adds on to our life. No, I pray that this would change everything in our lives. God, right now, I just pray that as we even sing a song to you, that these truths would sink past the head down into the heart that we would be changed that we'd be encouraged that we would be more in love with you right now and for this upcoming year than ever relying and resting in your grace we love you Jesus so much and we thank you Lord for all that you've done for all this stuff that we can see this awesome picture of the day of atonement Lord we praise you in Jesus name